Good morning, everyone. You are listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. This is a show that covers health and well-being through connection to people, people in our community and people beyond who share with us their experiences, their choices and consequences, and regardless of age, their innate wisdom. By discerning and getting a sense of what is transferable from what these guests share, we can choose to apply the relevant aspect in our lives and in our community and develop programs that found a more sustainable, loving and heartfelt way to be with each other, thereby improving our physical and our mental health. This week's show on Stay in the Loop with Lucy heads around the world to the UK for a fireside chat with Dragona Brown, a writer with the Huffington Post and someone whose writing always talks about responsibility and accountability for the world we have. Now, politics in the UK is about engagement. They don't have a compulsory voting system as we do in Australia. Therefore, the focus has to be on engaging people to care and to care that they have a voice and that they can have a voice. Many don't care and don't believe they can make a difference and therefore you're more likely to hear about the extremes. In this introduction to my interview, Dragoner talks about the state of journalism and touches on Trump being the product of our modern society. I was gen- definitely and genuinely born um, as a lover of truth. Um, if you talk to anybody in my family, they will definitely confirm this. But the thing is, so for me, it's not difficult to speak truth. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right then that in most of my article, and certainly those related to politics, um, although I... Um, uh, I very much enjoy exposing whatever needs to be exposed, um, and not just in politics, but let's say in this particular example, because that's what we are talking about. Um, that, um, but although I do that, I, I always like to go back to the, that calling um, uh, that the wider public um, to take responsibility. Because um, there's just there's just so much, and particularly you know that we had um, elections recently in the UK, and it was just everything. You looked around everywhere. You you know heard people talk about everybody so quick to point fingers. And yes, by all means, we too need to expose, like I said. But uh, hardly anybody really seems to be willing to take responsibility that those people did not come from another planet. You know, they didn't just, you know, there wasn't a group of Martians and then just <laughs> dropped them down and they said, mm-hmm. there you go, off you go. And so we don't know, we don't have the means how to deal with them, what to do with them. We don't speak the same language or whatever. No, they're the product of our own choices. And I feel that it is that really that the public doesn't want to hear. Uh, and even though what's really ironic, when I talk to people, and I talk to a lot of people, um, and um, you see, you're reading the papers, and you know, see in the media, everybody's calling for truth. But the truth is, <laughs> people actually don't want the truth. They are saying they do, but in truth, they don't. And that is one of the big, biggest problem, really. 
And how how do you feel that people will be able to discern the truth? At the moment, it seems to be the person that talks the loudest. And, you know, without getting um, too controversial, I think probably Donald Trump's a really good example of someone who said, you know, he's going to, uh, please excuse the expression, but cut the crap. And he's going to, you know, he's going to call uh, the, the politicians um, to account. And, you know, we're not going to have lies anymore. Um, and he's just going to say it as it is. And I think that um, a lot of Americans voted on that. You know, they wanted something, someone who who wasn't um, completely manufactured, who didn't have speeches that had been, you know, um, done to the nth degree. And, and you know, I mean, uh, Donald Trump's Twitter feed, he's even defended it saying, I do my tweets. No one does my tweets for me. And that's where we see, you know, a very unpolished politician, um, you know, but I wonder if they find that more refreshing, however abusive it is, it's more refreshing than the, the than what they than the slimy manipulation that they can feel coming from the polished politician saying what they think we need to hear as opposed to sometimes what we do need to hear. <laughs> um, yeah, you're really spot on. Um, going to Trump. For a moment, um, I am definitely of the pretty much the same uh, view, even though he is. I just want to make a disclaimer that uh, I, he's definitely not on my Christmas list or any other list. Um, but um, that um, he he's just an example of a, of a product of our society. And um, he's the sort of person that you know, you wouldn't really give him a, a, a dozen chicken to look after, let alone, you know, how many million people. Uh, um, so, um, however, um, what I really, uh, what's the, the best word? So, you know, this is going to cause some, you know, stomachs to turn. But he probably is the not the best in the kind of, you know, under inverted commas thing that has happened to America. And things that I do appreciate is that for the first time ever, this, like not ever, but for a long time in our political history, we're seeing somebody who is not just unpolished by calling, he just says, you know, he basically says, I am a loopy loony. <laughs> this is what you voted for. And this is what you got. Yeah. He's, he's, there's no pretending. And to me, I'd much rather a dog that um, does uh, uh, um, bark, mm. you know, the one that doesn't know. Like if you're walking down the street and um, late at night and, you know, you somebody who saw somebody who's very aggressive and shouting and looked like they were not together, you wouldn't know what to do. You'd move away, go and cross the road or whatever. But if you saw somebody who's super polished, you know, look everything and you tra- you'd like, oh, I'm okay. And suddenly, you know, uh, uh, nasty things happen. Then that, that to me, you know, which one of the two is better, if you like. It's terrible to choose between, you know, the, the bad and the ugly. Like, what do you choose? Uh, but that's really, I'd much rather that. Yeah, I've, I'm quite fascinated by that because part of me is considering if you, if from our, um, from an anxiety point of view, when we know that anxiety rates are rising, you know, inordinately fast, and we're not quite sure why. 
possibly it's because actually we can't tell when someone is trying to when someone is lying to us so our it's like our foundation of the ground is is mo- is forever shifting and we're that's creating this anxiety the image i had when you were speaking uh, that this mishmash of truth and lies it's it's really it's such a it's a bit like I was trying to the, the image I had try and take butter out of potatoes in a potato mash. It can't. It's kind of it's already it's just so Im- immersed in there that you can't see it. Uh, or you know if you throw pearls into the you know a, a pond that's got mud on the bottom and then you stir it up with a stick try and find the pearls. Um, and then even when you find them. People don't believe it really because they think, oh, but they are dirty and they're ugly and they wouldn't be all at the bottom of the, you know, uh, uh, mud. Um, so, yeah, it's really, really hard. But then again, this is a process that we, I think, need to relearn. I, th- I think that innately we do know when people speak the truth. Mind you, some of it is just so, there's such blatant lies, like, you know, in the UK election saying, for instance, uh, oh no, election during the Brexit vote, um, saying that the NHS will be getting, uh, I don't know how many, 350 million pounds or whatever. That wasn't very difficult to find out. You know, these stats, it can easily be found out. A few phone calls, few researches, and everybody can find out. But did people bother? No. They're being told. It's a gospel. Yeah, that's it. You know, so so we we, we go for these convenient truths and, and we just see that so much that it's, you know, uh, we really haven't got anybody else to point finger at, but first at ourselves. And yes, in the process, not stop exposing and not stop. But I've, I've been watching how, you know, the whole election in the UK has divided people in terms of, you know, um, so everybody got frustrated with the um, Tory government. And then suddenly, the only other option was um, Labour. And I haven't got anything personal against the Labour leader and stuff. But he's generally my gut deep feeling is I don't trust the guy. He reminds me of, you know, the Obama type, the the guy, you know, yeah, look, that's a great example, isn't it? Isn't, you know, when he was elected, people were like, oh, you know, great. And all the promises and the hope, all the rights were there. And then he gets a Nobel Prize for peace. And as far, correct me if I'm wrong, or somebody else might, some of your listeners, but I think it's the only president in the American history that has taken America to more wars during his uh, um, time in the government than any other. So much for Nobel Peace for Prize. So, um, yeah, we just need to really exercise, uh, keep exercising this discernment. And, and, and when we can't, we can actually look for truth. We can dig. The convenient truth you're talking about there is uh, is absolutely uh, spot on because we've become quite lazy in the convenient truth. We're much more likely to list to believe what someone says and not need to dig too much below the surface. Um, and an example like Obama's quite good because everybody so wants him to be the change that we want to see in the world. We so wanted um, 
him to be the new hope because the fact that he is, um, you know, that, that he doesn't fit the box of what a politician used to look like. I mean, he does, but on the outside skin, he was mm. a new beginning. And that's what they, that's what, that's what everybody bought into. We thought there was going to be extraordinary change because he was the first black president, but there was, in, there was no mm. real change. And that's quite but, devastating, isn't it? Uh, for the ordinary people to have to realize it is, it is, and it's often, often, it's a bit like in families, you know, how many of us, um, as we grow up, conveniently like to forget if we had parents that were strict or abusive, even to the minest, I'm not saying, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be physical abuse, but we just suddenly portray this picture of this loving family, which in truth it was not, but because it suits us, because it's too painful to actually say, you know what? My mother sent me 2,000 miles or whatever to a, a boarding school because that was convenient, you know. Well, is it too painful to go there, to unpack the things that have happened to us and see the choices that are made around us because it hurts and we don't have the skills to deal with that pain that comes from a result of that level of honesty? Mm, who knows? Good questions. Dragon Eye is asking if the outplay of not wanting to go there somehow leads us to be less discerning about the half-truths, the mistruths, or the sensational headlines because it is simpler and quicker and asks less of us. I remember many discussions about NHS before the Brexit vote in the UK. I, I know that many people tried to fact-check um, on the outrageous comments about how much money would be reinvested back into the NHS if Britain left the European Union. But no one really listened. The news cycle had passed on and the soundbite, well, that was the headline that struck. For those who are big Obama fans, I just wanted to clarify that Bar Obama didn't take America to more wars, but he was a president at war for two terms of office, which is more than any other sitting president. I'll link to a couple of articles that illustrate that in more detail so you can read more should you want to. So what effect does that mishmash of truth and lies and sound bites have on our mental health? Do we have time to develop a radar for truth in our bodies? I don't know. It's a question I ask on this show so often, you know, like how we must, must, must build that relationship with our bodies so that we can know when someone's telling us the truth or not. So let's have some music. And after a break, we'll talk to Dragoner about the Fitzgerald principles and whether these should be, have been um, just for politicians or if they are principles we should all be living to as human beings in our life from start to end. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. Today we're having a fireside chat with Dragona Brown, a woman dedicated to talking about truth and honesty and as a writer for the Huffington Post UK. In this section, we're going to talk about the Fitzgerald principles. And Dragona asks a very good question. Why do we not all subscribe to this, regardless of our profession? I listened to Tony Fitzgerald, the QC. Yes. And I love, absolutely loved his interview. Uh, and when the when the TV presenter asked him, would he be writing a memoir? Because he's obviously not very, you know, he doesn't go out in public or gives interviews or whatever about the, um, uh, um, the inquiry that he conducted 25 years ago, as you know, in Queensland. Um, and his response was so spot on. 
man's genius. Uh, he just basically said to her, oh, no, you know, something along the lines, I can't quote exactly, but then he says, people are more interested in some um, um, rugby or cricketers memoir than this. And that is the key. We would rather something just mundane, you know, that doesn't do anything for, for the society, really doesn't do anything. I don't care what people do. Then actually hear what this man with so much wisdom and such great experience has to say so that we can actually learn from that. I thought that was gold, what he delivered. Even though the presenter kept saying, no, no, I'm sure there are people. I said, well, I don't think that book will be a great seller if, um, you know, but, but if it's anything, you know, just, just, you just have to look at the media and what we are interested, you know, what, what attracts, what people are turning to, the, the big brothers of this world. Uh, I don't know the shows, I don't know them all, but that's, that's what, you know, we want. We just want to switch off, basically. But, you know, the truth is we're going to have to wake up um, and start switching on. It was very interesting because he really did pick that up, didn't he? He he's right. We would much. He'd need to mm. put some spin. He'd need to put some outrageous things that he's discovered about um, politics or about the law. What I really admire about him is that he has seen the rot that's in our uh, political system, and he's caught. He's helped us as individuals, should we be willing to see it to see that we have um, an opportunity to call them to account and that we have an opportunity to stand up and say, hey, you know, you're not representing us. So when I looked at the Fitzgerald Principle Survey, which I'll, I'll read you the principles in a second, um, when I mm -hmm. looked at the signatories okay. and the people, the people who've actually signed up to it, who's answered and what questions, neither of my local politicians are in there. And so I'm going, but hold on, I know they're really great people. I know them both personally from, from the work that I do in the community. They are very community-minded. They're very dedicated. Why on earth are their names not on this list? I would have thought that, that they would be right there. So is it something to do with towing the party line? Is it something to do with not being able to subscribe to these just in case you're held to them and you've had to do something in the party, you know, you have to follow it. I mean, I, I, for me, I'm flabbergasted. Let me take one step back and read you the principles of the survey. Number one is to act honorably. Okay, go for it. To act honorably and fairly and solely in the public interest. Number two, to treat all citizens equally. Number three, to tell the truth. Number four, not to mislead or deceive. Number five, not to withhold or obfuscate information to which voters are entitled. Number six, not to spend public money except for public benefit. Number seven, not to use your position or information gained from your position for the benefit or the benefit of a family member, friend, political party or other related entity. That's all they had to do was agree to that. You know, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the thing is, and this is not just for politicians, this, 
this is something that shouldn't even have to be brought up. Mm-hmm. This is something they should have entered before they actually, that, that they just should have uh, uh, played alle- uh, paid allegiance to, um, if you like, um, before they even uh, um, went on to study politics. Yeah. or whatever they might have studied. Um, but even, even this should be every person's, if you like, uh, um, um, uh, ethic code. Yes. That they should, you know, like when they baptize children or whatever they do, this is what the, the, the baby should be read. We should be reading that out to babies because it doesn't matter what we do, you know, whether we are politicians or um, in whatever, in finance or education or health, we should all be telling the truth. We should all not mislead or deceive. We should all act honorably, you know. So why somebody, yeah, it's absolutely, as you say, it's it's quite astounding that we have people who are even thinking, but it, what is different, but when the whole thing in the UK came about um, uh, of information and you know, I don't want everybody knowing this and that on the other. I'm like, I don't care. I can give them, them anything. There's nothing that I hide that, you know, well, what's wrong with ID? <laughs> yes. Like I am who I am. What have I got to, you know, but we had this, this is the whole thing. And you look at France and you look at French politician. And I have written one, um, an article ages ago when that whole, whole fiasco came with uh, Francois Hollande in France. That, that it's just so common and, and French people have totally accepted that their politicians can have one life at home and then another life when they enter their office. Hello? Like, so, so, so this is the man who, let's say, in that example, but I'm sure there's a lot, and that, that doesn't have to be this example, but this is the man, former prime minister there, who cheats on his wife or girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, she goes out with somebody else, has mistresses, and that has nothing to do with how he is at his desk. What if you can cheat in one place? What's stopping you in cheating in another? Absolutely. It's, to me, it's not a brainer. <laughs> like, how can we divide this? It's just crazy. But that's how, how <laughs> sort of a, um, how switched off we have become that uh, um, to a lot of people. Yeah, well, but that's his private life. There is no such thing as private life, and certainly not when X million of people put their trust in you. You should be a cellophane transparent, any politician, literally cellophane. Here I am, naked, with clothes on. I'm not suggesting anything, but like that that sort of transparency. So, good question, right? How would we go if we had to step up to those Fitzgerald principles? I was also struck when listening to the interview again about the examples um, of the French president. Um, Now, you know, there have been many leaders and presidents, um, Francois Hollande, but also Clinton. You know, can they have or can we have a public and a private life? Is that possible? Is it, is it, um, does it have any effect? Would someone who is in charge of policy and processes be able to represent all issues if there was some area of their own lives that they had particular ideals or beliefs behind them? 
Is it possible to have a wife and a home and have a mistress and still cherish women and all they have to bring? To see women as equal and stand for their equal rights in the world, calling about out abuse on a world stage? I just wonder. I also wonder if you don't sign up to the principles, what that means. Do we want to have a public and a private life and not have to live to that level of integrity because we see it as an abuse of our human rights or our freedom of expression or our freedom to choose? You know, I don't have the answers, but I've got a lot of questions. <laughs> so much to consider. Listen, we better go to the news and after the break, we'll talk about whether or not um, politicians are just fitting in with the normal. We are having a fireside chat with Dragona Brown, a woman dedicated to talking about honesty and truth as a writer for the Huffington Post UK. In this section, we're going to talk about truth and whether you can stand up and speak out in politics and if you would survive if you didn't play the, la- the game or toe the party line. There's a possibility that they've they've gone into a pool of normal, that because everybody else is doing the same thing, for them not to do that would mean that it was there was inequity in the system. If you look at and um, for example cycling, that was one of the excuses that um, mm-hmm. a, a man who was done for for doping or for for drug taking said, you know, if I didn't do it, I would. There was no way. There was no chance of me winning the Tour de France or any of the other, um, you know, major races. I had to, you know, join them. So. I wonder if there there is that belief when you go in that that's just how it is. You've just got to, you know, let lose your ethics and and play a game, um, and that actually they start to believe the lies that they're telling, and that's why they can tell them so for so long that they just they believe them. Spot on. I um. I giggled as you spoke. I have a, a very good friend, um, an elderly lady in. Uh, Monaco in France and um, she is just somebody who is also very passionate about truth and she speaks so beautifully about it and it would just say things as it is and I often I would tell her I said you know you should you know be in government you should say and I remember younger and she said used to say to me I said you are kidding me she says I wouldn't last half a day because you can't she says we have created and this is the whole point we have created system that you are you you do become you are a black sheep if you enter like that and because you know everybody else so you're just going to be like a like a, a i don't know you know like a a bird that ends in a, a, a cuckoo's nest mm. <laughs> you're just going to be dumped and eaten alive and uh, so so those who actually do try, and this is the sad thing, then they often don't get the backing of the public. Because I remember when um, uh, the former UK prime minister started kind of, you know, shaping things up um, in terms of benefits and, um, you know, different things. Basically, the whole point with some of the changes he was introducing was that people take responsibility back in their hands that, you know, there are jobs, there are, you know, things one can do that we can't just you know sit on on, on benefits and have 15 kids and because that's irresponsible and I totally support that but 
then the, the backlash, the, 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 the vitriol that you get back is you know, it's just impossible. And that's just one tiny little thing, let alone, you know, to really stand there and say, you know, what? no, we're not going to claim for that lampshade or no, we're not going to claim for that, I don't know, whatever the next chair is, you know, that they might. Just this whole thing about, you know, having public money to eat. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, that's, that is crazy. Surely these are big earners that they are not on little money. If you want, like who feeds me at work? I feed myself, mm. but I contribute to the public. I contribute to the public hugely. And so many of us, those nurses, those firemen, those policemen, you know, um, the, yeah, we have, <laughs> we have gone a very, very funny cul-de-sac, but it is a cul-de-sac because we're going to have to, when we really hit the wall, then we're just going to have to, you know, return and say, okay, let's start all over again. But yes, I agree with you. It is difficult, but it is then down to, to, to the public to support the people who, you know, uh, uh, feel that they, who have got, who are willing to go with more integrity, with, with who are willing to tell the truth, who are willing to, you know, um, not deceive and, and expose those who mislead and deceive, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, when, when we've realised that, you know, that there's a rot in the state of Denmark, to quote a little bit of Shakespeare and Hamlet, uh, when we've realised <laughs> that something is very, very wrong, we feel that despondency, you know, what what can I do, you know, which is illustrated in the lack of voting and the lack of engagement during, um, uh, you know, those major times in our lives where, you know, our vote counts and we wait for someone else to, to, to do it on our behalf. How can we be the change that we want to see? How can we turn this around so that we don't all give up? What is the, what is the, where do, how, yeah, I guess it's how do we turn that around? Yeah, I definitely, you know, I'm a great uh, um, believer, but feel very strongly about that every voice matters. Um, and it really saddens me when I see that um, the public and in particular younger generation are very, they're kind of given up. I was chatting with a young man today who's only 1920 and that's just that attitude it's like the, the very common sentence is what's the point because everybody seemed to have have given not everybody but those who have have given up to the extent that they feel like nothing that they say or do would really be heard or matters but that is not true that is absolutely far away from truth and there was this one example I remember reading many, many years ago. Um, it's a very long story, but I will do it very, very shortly because it's a very powerful example how we can change things. And it's to do with Benetton, you know, the, the clothing label. Yes. Um, as you probably, lots of you and lots of your listeners might know that the person behind the actual success was their photographer, who was a very close friend of the um, the owner. Um, and at some point, you know, they've done, on some amazing campaigns or whatever. They were quite controversial at times, you know. But anyway, um, then he was, uh, he's very much, the photographer is against uh, capital punishment. 
punishment and then he decided to go to some of America's most notorious prisons and photograph those prisoners and then billboards in shopping centers or whatever, basically uh, campaigning against capital punishment. Now, I'm definitely not for capital punishment and I totally, you know, get that. But what what happened is in this little rural place in the middle of America, um, this couple uh, um, spotted in their local shopping center one of those huge pictures of the uh, killer of their son, somebody who really brutally, I, I won't go into details, but it's quite gruesome yeah um and they were very very hurt by it um so so i'm not saying this is not a story about which one's right which one's wrong so basically they set up a a little table a couple of chairs and just some leaflets explaining what it is outside Sears and we're talking to public and saying this is our son see how he was brutally murdered and people were very sympathetic and started boycotting um, Benetton. Then they went on to New York, you know, interstate, and out of a, a snowball, an avalanche was um, created that basically almost ran Benetton to the ground because many of the shopping, you know, malls, um, um, their contracts and stuff. And I, I feel that since then, Benetton hasn't recovered. This is not a story about Benetton or anything. But what it does show, these are the two people who, who had no connections. They didn't have, you know, they didn't go. There was no internet at the time, nothing. They just physically stood and told their story. They spoke because they were hurt. It was too painful for them. And somebody heard them. Now, I'm not suggesting we all go out and, you know, stand and do things like that. But but, but the, the whole point of this story is that our voices do count and they can make difference. However, what, like, and especially when we don't speak for a long time, sometimes in that desire to kind of, you know, go out and, and, and express what we truly feel, there's a lot of clumsiness. But my feeling is even that's better than being passive and giving up. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Much better to stumble and make errors and just give it a go than not talk at all. We've just got to do it. Now, if you want to read more about the Benetton story and the Tuscany Death Row campaign, then I've put a couple of links on the blog site. It definitely shows how we can call advertisers to account and companies and corporations to account to come together and bring our voice for change. It was a campaign that talked about the death penalty, which was very unpopular in Italy, but it forgot about the pain of of the people whose relations were on the receiving end of what those men did, and the voice and and the voice of a few nearly brought down a company. After the break, we're going to talk about whether the way forward is perhaps the collapse of the political party. You're listening to. Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM. Today we're having a fireside chat with Dragona Brown, a woman dedicated to talking about honesty and truth as a writer for the Huffington Post UK. In this next section, we're going to talk about whether the divisiveness of political parties takes away from politicians working for the common good. Do we have the ability to ask our politicians to stop playing party politics and represent us us, even if it is against the party line? 
Is it all entertainment in question time rather than a good opportunity to give listeners an insight into the workings of Parliament and how our politicians debate on our behalf? Good questions, hey? Let's just see. Where does Dragon of Brown go with it? What I observed, like in the UK election, we have a tendency, but and I've observed elsewhere as well, um, we have a tendency to um, turn to the, the next, just look for something good. So like instead of really true, looking for something true, and the truth would be we, we need to understand that we, in, in truth, we cannot have parties. And I really genuinely believe that one day we won't have parties, that we should work together because that whole divisiveness, and we see that like the, the the UK politics has turned into, you know, same as America. It's just a multi-billion dollar uh, affair, which is crazy. And, and the same in UK. And there's just all this vitriol going and the, and the, the abuse in, in electronically and non-electronically. And who's going to, you know, say the right things. And they're picking the right words for the right people, you know, so suddenly they appeal to those. Everything is just so calculated. But we should turn around and just say, no, no to that. We want actually all of you to work together for us. Because as long as you have, we always, we have seen it historically, yeah, we've got one part in power, what do you, what do they do? They go, oh, that was terrible. They introduced this and that and the other. But it's like, how do you really find I do not support, like I have don't pledge allegiance to any party in particular. I just observe every party and see what they're doing. Uh, that the NHS is ruined because of Tories. But most of it, the, the selling started during the Labour and most likely before that and before that and before that. And it's only that these things we hear like 20 years later, or 30 years later, like the those Nixon tapes and, you know, suddenly we're hearing like, oh, my God, they talked like that and they did that and they did. Um, but we don't at the time. And for that, we just need to. So, so basically, that they play off each other and we kind of, the public stands in between the, these crossfire. And it's a bit like they're having a tennis match and we're just spectators. We are watching. So almost like going back to Roman times, there's a bit of entertainment there as well, which is horrid. So we should say, you know what, guys, no, you can't play that game. You, you play together. Let's see what works for all of us, because you can't work for one party, but not for another. How's that unifying? No wonder we are creating. I mean, look at the world is, you know, and I, and uh, not certainly I would never describe myself as a pessimist, but you know, very, very astute observant, yes. But one doesn't need to be pessimist, optimist, just to look at the daily titles, news. It's, it's you know, in UK recently, I think in one day, yesterday or the day before, they had 50 acid attacks on people throwing acid into their faces. And they're racially, you know, um, driven. Yeah. So <laughs> that is pretty, pretty dire. Yeah, I guess um, in my in my sort of research, I've just noticed how much, uh, and I've spoken on this show so often before, it's man's inhumanity to man. I mean, we talk about global warming and we talk about how nature is, um, you know, how nature's changing. Well, you know, if I was a... 
if I was the body of the earth, I'd want to shake us off as well. I'd want to do some clearing because it's <laughs> just pretty revolting what would be going on on my skin. You know, if I was Mother Nature or Mother Earth, you'd just kind of go, are you kidding me? You know, um, get off. Very true. Lucy, you're going, you're, going, you're going to love this. I recently saw a comedian that wasn't not live, but a really, really great kid. And he said, what's this? think about global warming and you know people concerned about earth and um this is just like we've got to save the earth we've got to save the earth he says yeah and he goes like i don't think the earth is a problem i think people are a problem yeah and that is very very true so it's spot on it's true isn't it the earth's pretty smart like nature it knows when to go to sleep and when to recharge yeah. and when to wake and it doesn't really fight it you know you don't see um, yeah. the, the animal sitting at the bar and having a drink to relax, you know, it's just, <laughs> they really, they really. Absolutely. I know. I used to think when I was younger, I thought, what would happen in one day? You know, just the universe decided like, or the sun said, you know what? I really can't be bothered to get up today. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, you know, it's yes. quite something. Yeah. One day without the sun, one day with no evolution of the earth's, um, on, you know, the I'm just, yeah. wow. I've just, I can't even get the sentence out. It's a bit of a horror. Be the end of us, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, thank you so much, Dragona. I really appreciate the time you've taken to, to, to talk with us. And I think, you know, as you say, it's not about being pessimistic. It's about actually looking at what is there um, seeing it for what it is so we know the power of what we can do to change it, that we're where we are because we've taken our half the ball. And, it, you know, you just gotta, you just got to go, you know what, my bad. Um, time, I've got I've to re-engage. I can't be passive and give up. I, I may be clumsy as I start walking again, but walk I must. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the beauty about people is that, we actually always clock insincerity. We do clock lies and we know the truth. We just kind of been in this denial for way too long. And I feel it would be great to revisit it. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's been absolute joy. There we go, the end of the interview with Dragona Brown. What I really took from all that Dragona shared was how we need to be engaged in our lives, to pay attention to what's going on around us, that we have far more power than we give ourselves credit for. And if we see it as something, if we see that something doesn't feel right, that's represented by our politicians or our media, we must speak up about it because together we can make a difference and bring about change can't leave it to somebody else to do we just can't it's an abdication of our personal responsibility but then we also can't then complain when we or someone we know or someone we don't know is on the receiving end of um, of abuse be aware not pessimistic Pessimism is like an infection. Heavens, it can lie dormant, but it also means we check out and we numb ourselves. We go into these coping mechanisms and, and we, again, we don't see our fellow man as equal. We see each other as separate. I always say, let's pay attention to the small stuff. Let's maintain that connection with our bodies and stay engaged in life. The good, the bad, and the downright ugly. That way we can equip ourselves to deal with the challenges we may face. What's our reality? 
And is our body matching our reality? Do we have anxiety or nervous tension running in our system to a point that we need caffeine, sugar or other stimulants just to get out of bed and function? You know, imagine the sun. So sorry, guys. Haven't had my coffee. Not coming up today. (laughs) And then do we need something to settle us down, settle our minds? Let's come back to choosing to be the change we want to see in the world. Remember, regardless of what has or is happening in your life, you are and always will be you and you are amazing. The key is to reconnect to that space and learn to build a relationship with your body so you can recognize when your body is trying to tell you something is not quite right and then seek support with the appropriate support service, be that mental or physical health. Look for it in the community. It is there. The podcast for today's show will be available through the Stay in the Loop with Lucy website and on SoundCloud. And if you would like to get updates, then remember to like the at Stay in the Loop with Lucy Facebook page. In next week's show, we celebrate fathers. I do hope you can join me. Till next week's show, remember to take a moment to look after you. Connect with the amazing people in our community. Be kind, be caring, be loved, be all of you. You've been listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM.